When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm joined by Nikki Javala from the Washington Post as we discuss a lot of topics about the Washington football team, which we'll only call it that for another week and a half. How she views the organization after two years of the new regime taking a look at the offensive roster and the quarterback situation and much more. You can follow Nikki on Twitter at Nikki Javala, N-I-C-K-I-J-H-A-B-V-A-L-A, and read her work on WashingtonPost.com. You can read my work, of course, on ESPN.com. One thing you can also do, follow us on YouTube. Go to Empire, A-M-P-I-R-E, Media on YouTube to listen and watch this podcast and a host of others by the Empire Network. Salary cap expert Joel Corey is so valuable this time of the year. His podcast is part of this network and can also be found on YouTube. There's also an entertaining Washington Capitals podcast with Steve Wino and former cap Carl Alsner. Check them out and subscribe to our Empire Media YouTube channel. Before I play my conversation with Nikki, one note and a few thoughts. The note on Wednesday, I'll have a look back at the 1991 Super Bowl season with former Washington Post beat writer Richard Dushis, who has some great Joe Gibbs and Jack Kent Cook stories from the magical season, along with the many others. And with Andy Poland, whose memory is as sharp as anybody and his fun memories as well. Andy's been involved in radio for decades in Washington, D.C. and grew up here. It's been 30 years since that Super Bowl win. So I wanted to give you guys a fun memory. Now for some thoughts based on the playoff games this weekend. We all know quarterback play is important. The playoffs aren't a reminder of that because, well, it's always been known. Sometimes it's just about being average. Ryan Tannehill was bad and his team lost, despite recording nine sacks. Joe Burrow was sacked nine times, yet kept getting up and competing and playing exceptional ball. And I'm going to stress the word competing with Burrow because I think ultimately that's what he does best is as a competitor and everything else falls in the line because he's got, he has good talent, but he's really accurate. He's smart, but it starts with his level as a competitor. And I, and I can't stress that enough. Jimmy G was horrible and won. Aaron Rodgers, one of the best ever, could only direct his team to 10 points in frigid conditions, yes, but those existed for the Niners as well and impacted the Niners' passing game, too, with drops. But the Niners showed in that game what a dominant D and terrific special teams does. And Green Bay showed the opposite, what horrible special teams can do to you. And that's the reminder of that weekend. That part was that it takes more than a quarterback. But if you don't have one, you better be exceptional in multiple areas. And this past year, was Washington, of course, was not good enough on D, was mediocre to bad on special teams. The pass rush importance was also pronounced. Washington has a chance still to have a special defensive line, though it's going to take a lot more work. But what I would do is stay aggressive and lessen the chips and double teams by being more aggressive with pressure schemes on third down, especially to create better one-on-one opportunities. Kind of like what the Rams did for Von Miller when he had the strip sack 
on Tom Brady in the fourth quarter on Sunday. It was a one-on-one because five guys were rushing and he pounced. Now, this group would do that with those guys in there, but not enough. And they got more aggressive after they got hurt. They have to stay aggressive to maximize, I think, what they have and to create big plays. That's what you want to do. Create big plays for yourself. You're not going to get that with by just staying in a four-man rush, to, no matter what you think that talent is. It's hard to find a great quarterback. It's just as hard, maybe harder, to win without one. Not impossible either way. Of course, this fan base should know it can be done considering what this franchise did in the 1980s and early 90s. Then again, it took not only one of the best head coaches of all time in Joe Gibbs, but also one of the best defensive coordinators of all time in Richie Pettibone and a terrific coaching staff in general and one of the best O-lines ever. That group was an outlier. But look at the Bills-Chiefs game, the difference those two quarterbacks made. And I don't need to explain it here because it's kind of obvious, but they have it all, the mobility, the arm, et cetera. Takes more than that because you have to be accurate and make good decisions as well. And that's it's funny because on Josh Allen, there's questions about that coming up. Both quarterbacks put their guys in position to make plays because of their throws. It was the there was a couple of times with Mahomes hits Tyreek Hill going over the middle. Hill has special speed, but man, Mahomes put it in the right spot where he can run away from it. If that ball's a little bit inside, then maybe he gets tackled. He gets it right on his upside shoulder turns them into the play. So you take advantage of a guy's special talents by putting in position to use those talents. Think about this too. Both those quarterbacks were pinged coming into their respective drafts. Question about both because there always are with quarterbacks. They weren't the first quarterbacks drafted in their class. They weren't, you didn't have to finish first overall to get them. Josh Allen was really dinged because of his competition level and his accuracy issues. Patience was rewarded. It starts with drafting the right guy, someone who wants to improve. And I stress wants to improve. Then it's about developing them, surrounding them with better talent, the right coaching scheme, et cetera. It's not easy, but it's not like either was a slam dunk bet to succeed by any means. With with Patrick Mahomes, there were questions about him too. The offense he played and oh, you know, I hear this about other schools. You can't draft a guy from school X because nobody's ever done it. Well, then you would have written off Patrick Mahomes because he went to Texas Tech, which had never done it, the air raid offense, et cetera. Look what he's done. But I do remember some some people were saying he has the highest ceiling in that class, but also maybe the lowest floor. Well, his ceiling is, is still pretty high. But look at the injection of hope guys like Allen and Joe Burrow gave their franchises. The Bengals were 21, 42, and 1 in the four years before Burrow showed up. I heard definite questions about their coach, Zach Taylor, and doubts about him from multiple people. The Bills had two winning seasons, and some people in that organization. The Bills had two winning seasons between 2000 and 2016. Two. Then along comes Sean McDermott, and then a year later, Josh Allen. They've now had three straight double-digit winning seasons for the first time since 1993, when the last time ended. That was with the Jim Kelly era. I will also add that Ron Rivera asked us if we, the media, and presumably the fan base, would be patient if he drafted a rookie and started him. And I even told him this one time. I think the answer is clearly no. I don't think people would be. And I get that. I know the media. I know the fan base. In May, after the draft, everybody says the right things. Oh, be patient. Let them grow. During the season, it's always much different. There's a different level of urgency and emotion attached to it. So it's hard. I think in general, if people see improvement, they will be excited about a guy. So I don't want to say that's a, you know, it's certainly not a cold, hard lock that nobody would be patient. I don't believe that. But I do think after decades of losing, it's somewhat natural to feel that way. But you can't take this approach. If you believe a guy could be special down the road, 
then you need to take him and live with the consequences and defend that guy. And you know, and I think the, that's the question: Is there does that guy exist in this class? I don't. I'm not sure that he does. In this class, Malik Willis maybe has that kind of potential, but I don't think he's. A, I don't. I don't think he's a guy they would take at 11. I do think a guy like Desmond Ritter could definitely be in play after the first round because he has some of those traits as well. There's inconsistency. There's some questions about accuracy, but he does have size and he does have a good arm and he does he does have the ability to make plays with his feet. So. There you go. The quest for a quarterback will be intense, but that doesn't mean Washington will find its obvious answer for the next five years. I know there are a ton of guys on their initial list to investigate. Yes, one of them is Jimmy G. Well, the good news for people who would want him, and I don't know how many there are, but his stock has gone down in the playoffs so far, despite what this team is doing, which means he wouldn't be as costly to obtain. The bad news is play is the reason for that stock, dro stock dropping. He's also, though, in his second NFC championship game, and I think there are qualities that he has that they would certainly be attracted to, one of which is the leadership. To me, if they go get him, it would be somewhat akin to the Chiefs trading for an Alex Smith, though Smith's ability to take care of the ball was better. Don't worry, there are better quarterbacks they're going to pursue, including Derek Carr, if he's available, Russell Wilson, all those big names will be on the list. So don't, don't, get, don't get, you know, freaked out by talk about one particular quarterback, there's going to be a lot of them that they're going to be pursuing over the next month or two or three. Not all these quarterbacks are created equal. How much would you give up for Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, knowing it would be very, very short term? I think that would be about one thing, winning a Super Bowl in the next two years and then probably facing another rebuild. They need to find someone who they can build around and sustain winning for five or six years or so and get this franchise finally going in the right direction. If they can do that longer than that, that would be great. Anyway, that's it from me. After this break, I'll be back with Nikki Jabala from the Washington Post. Is this roster really close to contending if they just drop in a quarterback? We discuss the offensive pieces. Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, and that means only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? You can experience the conference championships with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 to win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code KIME for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Nikki Javala of the Washington Post. All right, Nikki, so it's what, we're a couple weeks into the offseason and... I think we both know that an off season with Washington is never really an off season. Is it, have you, what have you learned in your time here in the two years and also compared to how they other stops in the NFL, how it is here? Um, it just keeps going. It's a different kind of season. It's not the postseason usually. <laughs> it's just a different kind of season. There's always news. There's always something. Um, it's, I, I've only covered one other team, obviously the Broncos, and they were similar. I don't feel like any team is to the degree that Washington is at in terms of all the things that they have going on because it, 
you know, includes the DEA, it includes Congress, it includes so much more than just football. Um, but they I always were, forget uh, about the DEA part. Yeah. It's always a and the DEA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's always there's always something. You know, the Broncos always had something too. There's it was never a quiet moment, but this is like next level. But I enjoy it. it keeps me busy. It keeps me out it, of trouble. It, well, it certainly keeps us busy. There's no doubt. Yeah. And again, you weren't here when it was the previous previous regime. Um, but in the time here, what changes have you seen made that is it is it a better are they in a better spot? Do you think from when you arrived here? Football wise, it's hard to say. I mean, I do feel like players have bought in to what Ron is trying to do and the the way he's trying to go about it. Statistically, they're they're pretty much at the exact same point they were. Um, but you could I feel like you could argue that certain positions are better. Um, you know, offensive line last year. I don't know if it'll be the same this year if they don't have Brandon Sheriff back. You can start to see what they're trying to do, but and I feel I feel this way about any team if they're rebuilding, um, if they're trying to improve. No matter what, if you don't have a quarterback, it's doesn't matter. You know, I hate to say it like that, but it's true. And it's become it's, true. Um, it, it's become even more important. I feel like over the years, you have to have one of the elite guys to win and to win it all. Um, otherwise you're just going to be stuck in kind of this quarterback purgatory for you. Unless you have, unless you have like an elite, elite defense and then you have a, you know, so yeah, but yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I think they have some really good pieces. Um, and I still think they have potential, you know, I still have a lot of questions though, certainly about the coaching staff. Are they the right guys to lead these folks? Not Ron. Um, but you know, does Jack Del Rio, does he want to stay here for the long term? What are the, what is the vision for the defense positional, certain positional coaches, you know, are they the right guys to teach these players? Because they, there are a lot of young guys. Does the team itself, do the players, do they get along? Do they like each other? It's so hard for us to know fully because we're not right. in like normal years, but it's, you know, there have been moments that have kind of made me question, is there a strong rapport? And I feel like that's so important for any team to really go far. You bring up a point too, with not being in the locker room and like, and not because mm-hmm. people, uh, you know, people ask the quite same questions for all of us. Like, does a locker room, <clears throat> excuse me, still believe in this or that? And like, well, we're not in there. And so you, right. only, you get a right. different snippet, right? Right. And when we get guys on the podium, you know, it would be the same for me if I were on the podium facing a wall of cameras and, you know, 15 reporters sitting in front of me, I probably wouldn't be, my normal self, I would probably be a little bit more uptight. Um, so you don't get, you, you get, you know, most of the time they're honesty, but not the full picture. Um, right. So it's, it's just a different kind of conversation and vibe, but organizationally, I don't know. There's it's, it's tough to say because you don't really know fully what's going on behind the scenes. You know um, the team has said that Dana stepped away from day-to-day operations. Tanya Snyder is now co-CEO um, and kind of running that side of things. We, we do, we do know, cause Ron has said multiple times that he, he speaks with both, um, about daily things and long-term things with the team, you know, the future of Jason Wright and his executive team seems pretty fluid. People have come and gone. So it's, it's not quite clear what's going on there either. Um, I think with a rebranding, maybe, Perhaps there will start to be some clarity on 
what this team is. Do you think on that executive side, because I was asked this earlier in the week, like, do you, is it some of the changes, is it normal or is it not? And I wonder too, because some of the moves have been like some more key spots, but they're also bringing out people from the outside, you know, sometimes outside the sport who may want to go back to another sport Um, or like, or they don't feel the same tie and pull here that you might have elsewhere. So maybe it's easier to leave. And also I think that sometimes people come in and realize like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know it was going to be like this. Right. No, exactly. Yeah. I I think it's been different for different individuals. Um, The most notable recent one, obviously is Damon Jones or chief legal officer who left. And I mean, he was in baseball before he came over here was with the nationals for 13 years. um, And he went back to the, to the Dodgers. So uh, actually, Jason Wright kind of predicted he would go back to a baseball team and become like a president of a baseball team. I right, didn't think it would right. be this soon. The surprising part for me is, you know, we were told that he was kind of the lead on finding a new stadium. Right. So now what? Right. So, yeah, I mean, as, as these things happen, it kind of creates more questions. Does it signal but, trouble to you? Does it signal an issue to you or are it just questions? It, it, that's the thing. It's so hard to say. I mean, a little bit, yes, just because of the team's history um, mm-hmm. and knowing the issues that have been in that front office, you know, for much of the last 20 years. But, you know, I don't want to make assumptions for the new group going in. I do think a lot of them are, you know, the, I think each one is is individual. So it, it's hard to say. It's They're pretty tight-lipped with a lot of things that are going on there. They are, but it's funny because, like, for as much – the previous regimes, there was a lot of stability in certain areas here. And it was yeah. a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Now that also could explain why they they didn't win as much, you know, and sometimes it was maybe stability for the wrong reasons, but sure. there was that stability. And, and I don't know that there is, I still think they're trying to shape how it's going to go. I also wonder in a year how different it might be. Right. Right. After the rebranding, will this executive team stay the core of it, stay or did a lot of these folks come on board to kind of lead that charge and once it's done will they pursue other things i mean i i you know i I think jason wright has become more of a household name anymore um you know will he will he get plucked from you know another uh, industry another league for a more prominent role or heck would he go into politics i don't know you know um but i do think a lot of the folks that have come in they do seem very well intentioned, um, whether they can accomplish all the things that they want to do and improving the franchise and kind of remaking the organizational structure of the team. We'll see. But, you know, I, I think they come in with the best of intentions. Um, some of their decisions haven't always been spot on. And I, I think maybe you could attribute that to them just not knowing the team while not knowing the area while some many of them not knowing the sport or the league well and then right. kind of how the fan base might respond to a lot of these things. So knowing all that, then how do you think this rebrand goes? I don't want to make assumptions. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I do. I mean, and we yeah. don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like I my the only thing I will assume is that people will hate it. There will be well, some that love it. Some will hate it because it happens with any sort of change, you know, you, right, you right. rebrand a website, you change the look of it. You know, it's like some will hate it. Some will love it. And that's, that's a 
pretty I mean, much the only thing you can kind of guarantee. And I and I can I get that because to be honest, I used to look like Brad Pitt, and I did this rebrand, yeah. and a lot of people did not like the new look. You lost a lot so, of followers, huh? Yeah, I yeah. did. I did lose a lot of followers. <laughs> But, but I also think like they're put in a tough spot where you're having to come up and change things where, you know, this was an iconic franchise and it wasn't their decision to do it, but they're tasked with finding a different way. Right. And I don't know, like we keep hearing how everybody, these players love the uniforms, but will fans like them? Because it, to me, it's going to be a jarring yeah. scene for them. And right. I don't, you know, and, but is that something that people can grow with? That's the key is can they grow with it and whatever, and the name, yeah, we'll see I mean, a mean. couple of these players, like Jarrett Patterson, grew up diehard fans. They have a better understanding of the history of the franchise, the importance of it. Yeah, to, they have a commanding. They have a commanding sense of the history here. Yeah, it's very admirable what they what they've done. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like a lot of them weren't even born when like they were like decades after they were born. You know when when yeah, this team was right. you know a marquee franchise in the league. And, and yeah, and so that's why I just, I think they're tasked with a very difficult project here. And so, I, you know, but I, and I, I'm like you, like fans aren't going to like the name regardless, or at least at best it'll be, you know, that might be all, yeah. you know, and some well, people, as I thought. Right, <laughs> or, and some people would just be glad, like, all right, now they're no longer, you know, it's not the horse with no name, but the team with no name, at least you have a name, you know, your identity right. moving forward. Now you get behind it or you don't. And then it all goes back to the field, which let's go back right. there now. So how that, that's a good segue there, man. Look at that. This was why, beautiful. This is why, you know, my, in my third, I think I've done this for three years now. That's what I've learned. Just that little segue right there. Yeah, you know, it's nice. You know, podcast so veteran here. The quarterback is a big offseason question. What, to, in your mind, like, within that question like how do you think this gets answered like because we know it's the biggest question but how do you think it gets answered and I, we I don't all know that it three. gets answered I I just kind of reading between the lines of what Ron has said and you know over the last couple months as this as the focus has kind of shifted to the coming season I I feel like they're, they're gonna try to make a play for a veteran now yes. which ones are going to be available Right. That's the right. question. You know, are you going to take a big swing if Aaron Rodgers is available? Would Aaron Rodgers want to come here? Deshaun Watson, um, you got a lot to, to deal with. Yeah. So do you, do you want to go down that road, especially with, you know, the things this organization um, has dealt with in, in recent years? Um you know, or do you want to go to one of the kind of the second tier guys? Like if, if Derek Carr is available, Jimmy Garoppolo, I would not rule out Mitchell. And I'm not saying this because I went to Carolina. <laughs> I would not rule out Mitchell Trubisky. I don't, I'm not saying I believe he would be the answer. Oh no, listen, he's going to be looked at. Think, yeah. I do think there's no doubt. They, are definitely, they would definitely consider him if yep. it's an option because look at this team's history. They pluck guys from Carolina. They like guys that are come well recommended from the Bills because they like that staff. Correct. Well, and because so, they and they they had that staff with them in Carolina. Right. So I think right. I think that's a I, listen. You, I would not at this point you cannot dismiss him as a possibility. I think listen if if Carson Wentz becomes available, I think you put him on the list as well. Whether or not that's a good move, you know, we'll see. But because I think they clearly clearly want to upgrade, and even like a guy like Rodgers. The question I know for them would be, 
how long do you have him? And then is it worth, like, what is it worth to give up a guy for maybe a couple of years? Right. I mean, because, you know, n- not everybody can be Tom Brady and a lot of quarterbacks, once they reach a certain point, it can drop off fast. Don't know if he's going to be on the Brady side of things or more of the Peyton side of things with kind of how, you know, careers kind of wind down. Also but- got a li- he's a little bit f- I hate, I guess, flakier. Is that, if that's the right word, then Brady, like as far as, I shouldn't say that, but like, he doesn't seem like Brady was clear. I want to play till 45. Right. I don't yes. know if Rogers feels that way. I mean, what if Jeopardy comes available again? You just never right. know. Right. Um, so yeah, no, there's more that, and, and same could be said for, for Russell Wilson. He doesn't look like the same player he was. He's still very, very good. And he was dealing with an injury last year, but you know, what, what is the long term for him? I would say that in the interim, he would be a significant upgrade. Right. And I think having a player like that draws free agents. Guys want to play for a team that has a really strong quarterback. Are you going to get guys that want to play with Mitchell Trubisky? I don't know. Um, and I would, I would argue that Taylor Heineke might be a better option, but that's not for me to decide. Um, so, you know, there, there's a, there are options there. You don't know which ones are available. None of them seem ideal. And the same could be said for the draft. Right. And I think that's the problem is that I do think they're going to get somebody now, whether or not it's, it could be a situation like where Kansas city went out and got Alex Smith a few years ago, you get a guy who can take you to a certain level. And then you, Mm -hmm. as you keep building your roster, and then you make a second move for the higher level that you consider a higher level. That's always a possibility because, you know, you go get Jimmy G or Derek Carr that puts you at a certain level right now. You then, you know, is it, is it, if they got one of those guys, like does Dallas clearly have the best quarterback in the division at that point? Yeah. No, I would agree. I I think getting a guy at that level helps you continue to build your roster, Mm -hmm. you know, and then, then you can, add a younger piece, a longer term piece. I, I, to me, a a Derek Carr makes sense to a degree. Yeah. It'd be great if you could get that elite franchise star, but there's, there's only so many of those in the league. And again, I know Ron thinks this is, he's, he's an optimist as he says, and he he views this as a very um, appealing spot for a free agent. I think 90% of America would disagree. Um, So (laughs) just overgeneralizing there, but you know, history matters. It does. And that's what I was going to say is how, cause Wilson has a no trade clause Deshaun Watson, again, putting, I always hate to say putting aside those problems cause you really can't, but I'm yeah. trying to keep it to a, from a football standpoint, he's got the no trade clause too. So how yeah. do you convince a guy like that, that this exactly. is the place for you over someone else? Yeah. And Deshaun, I, I, I don't know that he has the same leverage he did maybe a year ago. I don't know that he's going to have all the options. Maybe he thought he did. Maybe he will. Um, you know, maybe nothing has really changed on that front um, as far as the teams that are interested, because he's, he's still a very fine right. quarterback. And you could argue that maybe he's fresher now that he sat out a year versus these other guys who, who played, but there is a lot there. And I think the other thing with Trubisky if you get him to me, then you pair him with a rookie. Then it depends on who is that rookie. Like 
And do they take a Des Ritter or Carson Strong in the second, maybe third round that like maybe right. that become, because then it's, because I think with, with Trubisky, it'd be clear, you're not done. You're not done at that right. position. And, right. you know, the, the athletic came out with a story basically blaming Matt Nagy for all his troubles, which may or may not be true. I think the question is how much will they buy that here to justify that? And I think maybe there's some to it, but I don't know that you can blame Nagy for everything that went wrong right. with Trubisky. So I think he'd be a big question mark, but I do think he's I feel like every team feels like they can fix another team's problems, right? Oh, yeah. It's the same with head coaches. They recycle head coaches. Oh, he didn't work out there, but he'll work with us. Even though he's been recycled through five different teams, the quarterback, he, they broke him in New York. He'll totally work in Carolina. doesn't always work out that way. It does not. And they make that a mistake a lot. One thing I learned from Joe Gibbs when he was here, he would say this a lot, like, you know, people, he, he would say, people always tell me, you, Joe, you can change this guy. He's like, this guy's been like this for 20 some years. What makes you think I can change him in one? So no, you know, so he understood now every coach still thinks at some point they can, but I think he understood that I can't do everything. I'm not a miracle worker. Sure. And, right. you know, you, you were talking about, is it mechanics that you have to fix? Is it study habits? You know, I don't think with Trubisky that it's about that. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's more, I think there's some mechanical issues. He didn't have experience at Carolina. He only played the one year at Carolina. So I think that was a factor. So there are reasons why they could sit there in their mind and say, well, you know, there's this, this and this, but I also think they'll probably try to trade for somebody first. That would be my, yeah. if I had to put money down, if we went back to Vegas and instead of playing the video roulette and I put five bucks on a, this, I'd probably put it on them. Trade. <laughs> no, hey, the Pro Bowl and the East West Shrine game are still in Vegas. Now's your chance. Well, there's my chance. I can go back and win 35 <laughs> more dollars. So there we go. Um, with looking at the roster then too, where are some of the biggest questions you still have? Because again, especially offensively, he's saying, Ron will say that I think this roster is there to do yep. this. Do you, where do you still have concerns about that roster offensively, especially offensively? I know he's optimistic about the O-line. I would agree that that, that group, I exceeded expectations given everything they went through, um, you know, down to your, at one point in practice, they were down to their fifth center, John Toth, yeah. male model. Um, <laughs> how many teams even have five centers on their roster, you know? Um, so I, I think you got to give a lot of credit to the coaching. Um, Matt's go. I, I think they really develop guys and, and they really keep those guys ready. And I think their, their offseason pickups at that position were actually really good. I mean, I think bringing Eric Flowers back was, mm -hmm. was tremendous. Signing Charles Leno proved to be yeah. a, a really good signing. And, you know, not just on the field, but also, um, you know, with a leadership right. piece, which they sorely needed. But will that line still be the same if, if you don't keep Brandon Sheriff? I mean, he's what, a five-time pro bowler. He, he didn't play every game, but he's really He's a hard good. one. Yeah. yeah. It's a hard I mean, one because, like, how much money do you give a guy that misses – Right. Four to five games a year. That's a tough one, but he's really good. He's really good. Um, and then on the other side, you know, Sam Cosme, I thought did really well his rookie season, but he again only played half a season because of injuries. And now his backup who started the other half is, is going to be a free agent Cornelius Lucas. So will that line be the same? And then, a, you know, receiver Curtis obviously didn't play, but now, you know, Curtis Samuel went from, you know, and, and, in the team's narrative as, you know, he's not out there. It's things will be better when he's back to now we're just assuming he's back and it's going to be this dynamic group and right. a deep group. And 
you know, there's no proof of that. I mean, if there was such optimism coming into the offseason last year with receivers, and they ended up in the exact same spot with just Terry and really Cam Sims, maybe a little better with Adam Humphreys, but he too is going to be a free agent. So, you know, same DeAndre Carter came, DeAndre Carter did a nice job, but he still, it would still be more in a secondary role going forward. Because that, and that to me is like with Curtis, they know what he can do because they saw it, but we have to see it here because you always want to see the new spot. And then De'Ami Brown, and does he take that? And there were some, and I talked about this on my last podcast about how there were some signs like on special teams that I really liked as far as being more physical, competitive and all that. But I can't say it's going to translate. We don't know. You need to right. see it first. It's right. just, you know. And they, they haven't had the best track record with rookie receivers so far um, with AGG really struggling the first couple of years, not really getting time on the field, bouncing on and off the practice squad. I mean, you see that a lot across the league for it. It's, it's a hard transition for rookie yeah. pass catchers. There are only so many that you can plug and play immediately, but you, you got to see them produce eventually. And that's where I, that's where I wonder too, is the quarterback makes a difference. And I'm not mm-hmm. playing, I'm not going to blame Heineke for Jamie Brown's lack of development, yeah. but does a guy like going into a second year where if he's more positioned because he's learned some things and he talked about how he learned that he has to be more decisive in some areas, Okay, let's say you improve in those areas. Now paired with a veteran quarterback, then does that make a difference? You know, we don't know, and you know, we do we do know that it does make it. And there were there were some plays this year where with Heineke, where you say like, if there's a veteran quarterback here, he reads this differently automatically. And there were plays where there was one where um, can't remember which game it was, but I think Diami receiver on one side has a guy impress. Terry on the other has a guy a few about eight yards off and Terry blows by him because he's a flat foot read. Well, that's one where like you have to know at the line, how do you, how are you going to read this coverage? And then do you get over here right away? And you stayed over here, even though it's not open, Terry gets open. There's just, but that's a veteran quarterback's thing. And that's something that actually if Taylor stays as a quarterback, well, you can learn that too. It's not every quarterback goes through that, but that's where having more experience in a vet, helps you and maybe helps a guy like Diami. I don't know. So, you know, what about running back? Would you do, would you do more there? Do you feel good there moving? As, assuming and you just wrote a story about yeah. JD the other day. Yeah I, was gonna say, they signed him. yeah. I like that group. I like that group. I think Antonio Gibson needs to take the next step. I mean, you look at his numbers. He was one, you know, he's among, you know, the top 10 guys and, and, among backs, but I think he needs to take that next step to have it be more consistent. Um, I thought his last game was obviously his, his finest and you're not going to expect 146 yards a game, but just the way he played, the way he approached it, um, I thought was significant. And if you can see more of that consistently, I, I think you got a heck of a running back. And that was the one thing that JD talked about too. And I, I know AG has said this, his coaches have said this, it takes time. I mean, he, JD was like him was a receiver who converted, converted to running back. And you you don't just learn the protections overnight. You don't learn how to see those holes that may not be there initially um, and see how the blocks form and, and when the O-line is going to go to the second level, that takes time and reps. And I think AG can get there because he's getting those starter reps, you know, he's getting that experience. So I, I like that group. I wouldn't be upset if they added another veteran to it. Yeah, you know? I, I, I think I would add somebody there 
just because you, you know, just because, and if, and if, and if Jared Patterson takes a certain step in his development and you say, I'm comfortable with that, you can cut the guy, you know, but I would bring in somebody else just, just in case somebody that, you know, that if Gibson, cause Gibson had some injuries this year, somebody mm-hmm. who can take more of the load off of him in a full-time role, but that's where JD would help a lot too, because not that they do the same things necessarily, but you can go to different packages with McKissick there in certain games and you can still run the ball with them in a different way. So tight end. That was another one similar to O-line where I thought they really made something out of a group that didn't Agreed. feel like they had anything, you know, once Logan Thomas went out. And, and not to interrupt you, but there you're talking about two of the best coaches on the staff, I think. Are yeah, Matsko fantastic. And Pete, Hainer. Pete Hainer and John Matsko. I mean, Ricky Seals-Jones, another player who is not what his position is now. He was a receiver coming right. into the league. And he was, you know, he's been playing the position for a couple of years now, but similar to Logan hadn't really gotten that time to really refine it. And I think, I think he's a good player. I really do. I think he's a good backup. I like what John, I thought John Bates was probably their best drafted rookie, you know? I like what he, I liked his blocking, man. Yeah. And I thought he, he, I, you could see noticeable progress in his game. You know, it wasn't just a blocker. He needs to get better at a number of areas, but he could do more. And I, I, I like that. Um, I still don't know what Samus Reyes is, but you know, he's an intriguing, he's an intriguing prospect. And if you got three other guys ahead of him, then you can give him the time he needs to develop. Well, we know he's a pitch man in Chile. That's what we know. And I, and I think, I think it's like the one thing I, the only thing I worry about is Logan Thomas and that injury when he comes back. Yeah. That to yeah. me is like, that's why I wonder if you stay healthy. Right. And does, do they bring someone else in? as like maybe a mid-round draft pick, unless you keep Seals-Jones, you say, well, Seals-Jones and Bates and Thomas and Ray's development, that's enough. And that's okay. But I think that's going to be a lot on Thomas's um, knee. Last thing then on this, I had two more questions. One, you know, if they go out and get a Jimmy G, Derek Carr, what level do you think this team would be at going into next year, based on what we know right now? You at least got to get back to where you were in year one, statistically, and just getting back in the playoffs. You know, they're very it's hard to compare because year one, they're kind of like that new toy where nobody really knows what to expect. You can kind of play off that and you weren't facing the same kind of competition that you did last year. Hopefully you don't have to deal with as many injuries, as many COVID disruptions. Um, But I think when you, when you upgrade like that, when you're going to give up assets to get what you perceive to be a better quarterback, you got to get at least back there um and hopefully beyond um you know will will jimmy g take him to the super bowl i mean he took one team but they had they had a lot of pieces um i'm not banking on that um but if he can take them you know back to where they were if they can add more pieces if he can kind of create some stability help the younger guys develop I, i i think that'd be considered a success in my book and back to where they were meaning playoffs and to me that playoffs is going to be I think if you do that, you better be in that 10 win range. And, you know, cause like to me, that's where, cause if you're doing that and cause then it depends on does chase young get back to, does he get back to that trajectory he was on after his rookie year? Does does Montez sweat? What is, you know, having a full year and getting, you know, he had a brutal second half of the year because of a lot of personal stuff and COVID Mm -hmm. and and the injury. And, you know, so it's going to depend on that too, but like you go out and get one of those guys. I mean, yeah. two. I mean, I, I did the playoffs were you know a small bit of success. It's been two losing seasons since Ron came in, and he I he he had a lot of work to do. Let's be honest, but 
yeah. at some yeah. point, and he said this, you know, at some point you got to, you got to make it happen. Well, in the first, the, the first year losing season, you built on it. They, they took over a disaster and, yeah. you know, and so they, and they did, they, you know, the, there was progress made. And I think there was a lot of having to reshape the identity of this franchise, et cetera. A lot that they had to deal with first year, fine. Second year, we all know what it was. It was ups and downs early injuries, health later, but you got to take that big step. And, right. and I think, and I do, do you think he knows, he understands that it seems to. Yeah, no, I, I think he does. Whether they can accomplish that, we'll, we'll, see. we'll see. I think they right. expected a bigger step in year two than they came up with. Um, and that, that's where I go back to like your original question. I think year two was a disappointment. Yeah. Um, we can talk about the incremental progress, but you don't, you don't get forever in the NFL. I mean, the urgency, I feel like, is is greater than it has ever been and not just at the quarterback position i think it's across the board you know you got to and i also think here what they have to still understand and realize is this fan base has been waiting a long time yeah. and they've been promised a lot of things over a long time and it hasn't it's delivered in flashes but never consistently so you're going to need to show this fan base after this rebranding you want to get people back you've got to show more than, Hey, we're a nine win team next year, right? You've got to show some real pro you need to get this fan base excited again. If you want to ever fully recapture what this area should have in that. Um, and get thing- people back at the stadium. I mean, that's, that's a big thing. And sorry to cut you off, no. but like, you know, that's where I go back to history matters. I mean, what I, I know Ron is very adamant about wanting to move forward and kind of turn the page and, let's keep going. Let's focus on the good things, the progress. You have to consider the history. You have to understand your fan base. You have to understand where this team was and where you want to go with it. I I think that's it to really know what this team needs and what the fans want. I think you have to keep the history of the team in context. Last thing is, you know, Rivera was going to go to the senior bowl. Now he's not. How big a deal do you think that is? I think we'll find out. We'll find out how much his front office really is on the same page um, after a year of working together. Um, You know, will they come away with, you know, guys that they really feel like could fit this team? I I do. It's hard to say. I mean, he's been tight-lipped about what his process is and what he's focused on. I, I mean, not calling Ron a liar by any stretch, but I do wonder, you know, might he sneak in and he's telling us, you know, I'm not going to be there. Don't bug me, you know, um, <laughs> always possible, but you know, there are other things certainly that he can do from afar. And I know with the combine, a lot of coaches would do that too. You know, you, you keep some coaches behind to focus on what they need to do right, and you right. stagger them through. So it might be the same case with what they're doing, but you know, we'll see, we'll see how much this front office really is aligned. And, and the head coach doesn't always go to that either because sometimes yeah. – and, like, the first year you're hiring coaches, so you send others down there. The one thing I wonder about this time is because all those quarterbacks are going to be there. So right. you, you want to get the chance to see them and feel them up close. Yeah. But I yeah. also wonder, too, Nikki, if this isn't – clearly that it's part of their process is focusing on these rookie quarterbacks. But if they also think they're going to be able to trade for one, you know, so we'll – but I, you still want to yeah. have the no, – yeah, and it's, I don't it's think it's indicator. a sign that. Yeah, and I don't think it's a sign that. Oh, we've got our guy. We don't have to be right. down there because I don't think they know that at this point. There's a lot of there's a lot of guys on that list, 
But, you know, and you still, like, again, we talked about what if it's Trubisky, then you pair him with the rookie, which one, but they will have guys down there. And, um, yeah. you know, so I, I mean, don't. I the, the, the interesting part for me is, you know, when you talk about head coaches that not all of them go, not all of them sign off on every single move too. That's I, the other thing that's different about this. Ron calls the shots. So does he need to see the player in person? Um, Cause he talked a lot about, you know, over the last year or so about, not getting that personal time with guys. Will he, will he has a chance? Will he lose that? Um, You know, I got to think, you know, somebody's been doing it this long. He he certainly knows better than I do. And he also trusts Marty Herney who will be there, who would be down there. So there you go. Nikki, thanks a lot. You're the best. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That's it for me. Thanks to Nikki for joining me and thank you for continuing to listen. I'll be back Wednesday with the celebration of the last Super Bowl won here 30 years ago. Talk to you next time.